of brokenness. Um, and so if you'll give me a, a, just a, a little bit, I, I, I kind of want to build a foundation with, with where I want to go with this, with this subject here. And uh, we're going to start off and just read a few scriptures um, in Second Sa- uh, Samuel uh, chapter 11. Uh, in verse um, 1 and 2. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth, to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbi. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David, according to what we have just read, uh, should have been on the battlefield. David, who, who looked into the faces of fearful men and brethren as they hid themselves from the giant who defied Israel and said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason to fight? The very same David was now sitting in the palace away from the battlefield. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This man of war was now idle. He decided to take his armor off. He decided to to put down his weapons. Maybe he started to become self-confident. And the previous victories and the prosperity caused him to take that armor off. David, what are you doing? Sitting idle. Do you not know that there's a battle going on? That there's a war going on? Why why are you removing your armor? Why are you putting down your weapons? Why are you at ease? Lying in in bed in the evening while there's a war going on. The soldiers are winning on the battlefield, but the king is losing at ease in the palace. When people are at ease, they give freedom to their desires. When they should be disciplining themselves. A soldier must discipline himself 
if he is going to stay in the battle. Now is not the time for any of us to become at ease in the house of God. To put down our weapons and to take off the armor and expose ourselves to the temptations out there that are, that are there to destroy. Without the armor, without the weapons, there's no way to combat against temptation. We can become idle if we are not watching and praying. We can forget that there's a war going on and step out on the roof to behold the temptations we never saw while we were engaged in battle. You put yourself in a, in a, in a place of temptation when you fail to watch and you become idle. David put himself in a place no child of God should ever find themselves. A place none of us should find ourselves. James chapter 1 and verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. David was drawn away of his own lust. He was enticed by his own lust. And when lust conceived, it brought forth sin. Sin is finished when it brings death. David found himself dealing with the conception of lust, which gives birth to sin. He could have stopped it at desire, but he removed himself from the fight. When you remove yourself from the fight and take the armor off and lay the weapons down, what you do is you expose yourself to your desires being lured by the temptations that are out there. And, and you're drawn away by your own lust and enticed when you are unable to fight. When you are unable to resist. When you have, when you have made yourself vulnerable and susceptible to the grasp that sin can lure you in and, and, and destroy you. He could have stopped it, but he didn't. Now he found himself in a downward spiral brought about by his out-of-control desires. David knew he, that he messed up but it, what, he, what did he do? He tried to cover up his sins. And sometimes we find ourselves in that very same spot when, when we mess up instead of dealing with them, we would rather just cover them up and try to hide them from our brothers and sisters. 
try to hide them from, from other from, from people around us. But there is no way that we can uh, hide them from God. That is absurd to think that, that, that we can hide our sins and our shortcomings from Him. He has a way of finding out. You know why? Because He's God. So David knew that he messed up, and so he tried to cover them up, and then he sent a message to Joab that Joab would send Uriah back to David, where David would continue trying to cover his tracks. Or he would say, you know, why don't you go and be with your wife and drink and eat and just have a good time with your wife? I'll send Uriah to his wife to make him think that it's his child. My plan is getting better as it's unfolding. When David found out his plan didn't work, he asked Uriah, why? Why didn't you do what I perfectly designed in my mind to cover my tracks and to cover my mistake. Why didn't you do it, Uriah? Why did you not go to your wife? Verse 11 of 2 Samuel 11 and 11. And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah... Abide in tents, and my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord. Uriah's response sounded like David in the beginning before he took off his armor and put down his weapons. The ark, remember the ark. Remember how valuable the presence of God was to you. And, and you said, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And my brethren are in the open field. How can I come home and eat and drink and be with my wife while the battle is going on? My Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open field. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thou so liveth, I will do this thing. I will not do this thing. How can I come home and eat? and drink and be with my wife while there's a battle going on. I can't be at ease knowing that my brethren and knowing that the, that the ark of God is out there and I'm away from it and, and there's something going on and I, I refuse to let my armor down. You, you hear the zeal in, your, in Uriah's voice, the zeal that David once had. He understood the ark. He understood what it meant for, uh, to Israel, the ark, the very presence of God. And one of the biggest things, one of the first things that David did as king is he set out to recover the ark. And now he's okay with it being out in the field and being away. Because David isn't where he 
He needs to be. David has lost his, his focus. David has lost his, his reason to live. He, he's lost his purpose. Sitting in a house of ease in the palace that God never intended for him to be sitting at ease. But isn't that what happens with prosperity and victory? As we sit at ease knowing that God is fighting our battles. So we allow the armor to come off. See, none of David's attempts to cover his sin worked. We might be able to fool men, but not God. We might be able to cover it for a while, but it will come out. When Uriah wouldn't give in to David's secret plan, he put him on the front line to die. After Uriah's death, David married Bathsheba. But something was dying inside of David. Anytime sin ever disconnects people from God, there's something inside that is dying until it is restored. There is something that's dying inside until there is revival, until there is a reviving because sin brings death when it is finished. David remained unrepentant for nearly a year. Could you imagine what David must have felt during that time? Could you imagine going to even today, this very moment today, could you imagine going a year without repenting? How disconnected would you feel from the God of eternity without repenting, without dying daily, without crucifying the flesh every day? Something was surely dead inside of David at this point. He was dying spiritually. The man after God's heart had made a mess of his life and God was about to address it. God sent his prophet Nathan to deliver his convicting message. David deserved death, but the word, this word that Nathan was about to deliver would produce a brokenness in David that would lead him to a place of repentance. I'm here to tell us and to remind us today that there is, there is power in brokenness. There is power in the midst of a broken situation, a broken life, a life that has made a mess of itself. There is power in brokenness. You can read 2 Samuel chapter 12, and you can read in details the things that Nathan the prophet Nathan began to, to, to share with David. And then we come to the climax of, of this situation. In verse 13, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. 
And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. What he said is the prophet brought this convicting message, but he said it's not going to destroy you. It, will, it won't kill you. you. You will come out of this. David's response and how we respond in a similar situation will determine how we move forward. David came to himself, it took a but it took a prophet, it took a preacher, it took a minister to deliver a word that causes that downward spiral to stop. Something has to be said. Something has to be done that would cause that cycle to end, that would cause it to stop, because without it, it will just go on and on and on. Without repentance, it will just keep going on and on. But something has to be said. God has to step in and intervene and speak a word that would cause that downward spiral to come to a stop. Aren't you glad that he did that for you? That he caused the downward spiral of, spin that, that, of sin that was in your life. He caused it to come to a halt so he can bring you to a place of repentance. But at that place, there's brokenness. Or there should be brokenness whenever we realize that God has sent a word to me. I want us for a moment to look how many times over our life has God sent a word to you, specifically through the preacher, and you did nothing with it. When it was designed to break you open, to, to bring you to a place of brokenness. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to a, to a point here that I want to share with you what, what, I'm, uh, what I'm trying to deliver to you, what I'm trying to share with you. I, I, want, I want us to, to see the devastation that sin does, that, that sin will cause in someone's life, but I, I don't want us to lose the power uh, the focus, uh, the power of brokenness and what brokenness will do in a moment when we realize why it's there. Why the brokenness is there. You see, God knows how to deliver you. And that's why you're here today. It's because he knew how to get a hold of you. He knew how to speak to you. 
to pull you out of the miry clay and place you on a firm foundation. He knew how to do it, and and he always will know how to deliver us. He always will know how to get our attention, but how will we respond in that moment when he does get our attention? Will you allow the word of God to go forth and bring you into a place of brokenness? There's no need to run from it. When God delivers a word to you, it's time to receive it. But it's going to take a brokenness. It's going to take a humility of getting up out of your seat and walking to the altar and saying, God, you spoke directly to my heart. I'm going to take it, Lord. I'm going to allow it to break me open because I know there's power in brokenness. power and brokenness. He knows where we are and how to turn us around, but it requires brokenness. Which we all need a little bit more in our life. We need a little bit more brokenness, a little bit more transparency with God because we can't hide it from him. He knows that we're miserable and he knows that we need deliverance and he'll send a word. He'll send a messenger to deliver the word but if it does not break you, oh, oh, I don't ever want to be in that place that God will deliver a word to me that does not break me. Don't ever let me get there, God. Don't ever let your word go forth that does not affect my life. Let it do what it was designed to do. <coughs> and I believe that in that moment, it did what it was designed to do in David's life. He said, thou art the man. You're the one that I was sent to declare. You're the one that caused these things to come into your life because you let the armor down and you put your weapons down and you stop fighting and you were drawn away by your own lust and enticed. And this is the evidence of of what you have done. And I'm here to tell you that God sent me to give you this message to turn you around. And he allowed that message to break him open. We read this in Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me. If you notice one thing, the heading of Psalm 51 to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Oh, he said, I've heard it, God. Have mercy upon me according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies brought out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. 
Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Do you hear the brokenness in David's voice? Do you hear the brokenness in his voice? He realized, oh, something has been dead in me, but the prophet has awoke me. He's wakened me to realize it. That I'm miserable without him. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create me. Create in me. A clean heart, oh God, I've been vexed. <coughs> and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness of God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. God can work in brokenness. David was able to move forward because he received the message of the Lord and was broken for his sins. In verse 2, he knew that he needed uh, uh, to be clean. In verse 3, he acknowledged his sin. In verse 4, he knew the evil was against God. And then we jump to verse 10, a clean heart and a right spirit. David knew that he had to have. In verse 11, maybe David was reminded of the way the spirit left and abandoned Saul in Saul's downward spiral. Saul rejected God's word and God rejected and replaced Saul. He understood that the spirit had left Saul and he was troubled. He was was troubled by evil spirits, Saul was. Why? Because he rejected the word of the Lord. And he was replaced. A very dangerous place for any of us to be in is to reject the word of the Lord. Oh, because if we reject it over and over again, there comes a time when he could reject us and replace us, raise up somebody else to do what you were designed to do. Oh, but I want to be obedient to his word. I want to be obedient to God. I don't want to be replaced. I don't want to be abandoned. 
I don't want to be abandoned like Saul was. The Bible said that the Spirit left him. There's a lot of people out there that say that you can't lose your salvation. But we can't let that mindset creep into the church. It will abandon us if we reject it. If we reject him, if he tells us to do something and we reject it, oh, we're putting ourselves in grave danger. We're putting ourselves in a place where God could abandon us. Every word that goes forth from the pulpit, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every opportunity that we have to come together and hear from God is an opportunity for a word to go forth that would produce the brokenness that would bring about power and revival in your life. Come on, sometimes it takes over and over again for God to get our attention. You resist it long enough and you won't feel his help. What a place to be in, to know that I can come to church and not feel the convicting power of the Holy Ghost at work. None of us are there. We all are a little rough around the edges, and we all always need to hear a word from the Lord, but it's up to me to become doers of the word and hear, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. We deceive ourselves if we do nothing with the commandments of God. And David said, that is not what I want. I don't want to go down in history as the Saul that rejected the word of the Lord. I'm going to allow it to break me open so I can meet God once again, so I can get renewed once again. He said, I can offer a sacrifice, but I know that it's nothing. It's nothing without brokenness. My sacrifice is meaningless unless it comes from a brokenness. Unless it comes from a humble spirit. That's why Jesus resisted the Pharisees because their sacrifice was not from a place of humility. Anytime, you know, a broken and a contrite heart, it, it doesn't always mean in the midst of sin. It, it, it can also be a place of humility. Anytime I allow myself to get puffed up I, and I still, I still want God to receive my sacrifices, it doesn't come in from the right place. It doesn't come from that place of humility. It doesn't come from that place of reverence and respect for the things of God. A broken and a contrite heart. Psalm 34 and 18. The Lord is nigh. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Isaiah 57 and 15. 
For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. This is the climax of where I am getting at. This is the place that I want us all to open up our understanding and our heart to receive uh, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. The high and the exalted one that inhabiteth eternity dwells in the high and holy place with him also who is of a contrite and a lowly spirit to do what? To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Did you, do, you, do you get what I'm saying here? Do you get what God is saying here? I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble. God dwells with the humble. God dwells in the midst of brokenness. God dwells where there is a contrite and a humble spirit. Why? To revive the spirit of the humble. To revive the heart of the contrite ones. The purpose of brokenness is for revival. The purpose of your brokenness is to revive you not to destroy you. The place where God dwells is in the midst of brokenness for the purpose of revival. Not a series of services that we can say, reviving what is dying. Like David was dying. Oh, but he went into a place of brokenness where God was stirring something. He was doing a work that was bringing about a reviving in David's spirit. Isaiah 66 and 2. For all those things hath mine hand made and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. There is no doubt that David had a great fall. David altered his ministry if you allow me to say it that way. People today have altered their ministry because of the things that they have allowed to come into their life. Do you know that there have been people, there have been preachers that have been called by God to preach this glorious message, but instead of being in a battlefield with their armor on, they were walking out onto the rooftop and they were looking out into the face of temptation. And their decisions, their decisions altered their ministry. They'll never get to that place that God had intended for them to get to. 
That doesn't mean that he's not going to restore because we see that in David's life. He revived. He revived some things in David, but David was limited on the things that God would use him to do. When we step out and, and commit such acts as David did, adultery and, and involved in the, in the murder of Uriah, you know, whenever, whenever somebody does these things, it alters who they are. It alters their identity a little bit. It alters and affects their ministry a little bit. But oh, the mercy of God. And his willingness, God's willingness to send a message that would produce godly sorrow. That feeling that you feel, all the heaviness when God speaks a word into your life and it causes you to, to, to cringe a little bit or it calls something inside of you oh, to feel off that, that message that he sends. He's, he's, willing, he's willing to give you a word that would produce a godly sorrow in your life that would cause a broken and contrite spirit that would lead you to a place of revival. The only way that people will ever enter into a place of reviving is through brokenness. The only way that you would be willing to receive the word of God, to receive his instruction, is through brokenness. The place where he works. He said, I will look to this man I will regard him with favor. The one who is smitten and trembles at my word, I will give him another opportunity. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. For giving me another opportunity to get it right. Another opportunity to be obedient to what you're asking of me. Thank you, Lord, for one more opportunity to come to this altar. I've got it today. I've got it right now. I've got the opportunity right now to receive the word of the Lord and to allow it to break me open for the purpose of reviving something that's dead in me. There's, I know that there, there are people in here that have been dying inside because you've allowed, you've allowed things. You have allowed things to take you to that place. But the Lord is saying, if you will take the word and allow it to break you open, there is revival. There is a reviving that's on its way. Because I dwell in the midst of the broken to revive them. He said, I would rather, I would rather revive than destroy. David shows us the power of brokenness and the opportunity through brokenness to be restored, to be revived. 
when we can tremble at his word like David did when Nathan began to utter the words of the Lord. David, I can picture him trembling. Oh, God. I confess. I confess I need you. I confess I made a mess of myself. When we can tremble at his word and allow it to break us down, we put ourselves in the place that God dwells for the purpose of revival. But we must obey. You see, Saul's demise came from his disobedience to God's word. We can tremble Obey and be revived or reject. Disobey and be replaced. But I choose today. I choose today, God. That something in me would be revived. There are things that haven't come to pass yet in your life. But if you take the armor off, you put yourself at risk to not get there. I want you to hear that warning. If we are at ease in the house of God and we have not got to that place where God's purpose is going to be fulfilled in us, You have to put the armor back on and get into the battle so you cannot see the temptations that are there. Let's all stand. In just a few moments, I'm going to be at home, and you are going to be praising God together, and uh, I'm going to miss it. Um, I'll be meeting the demands of little ones at home. And, uh, but whatever God speaks to you today, and if he's already said something to you that you've received, don't leave without, without coming and kneeling before him and allowing that word to revive something in your life. Can we worship him for a moment? Thank you, Jesus. Thank